Hey, this is Max from the Arkells, and you're listening to Underground Sports Philadelphia. going on everybody we are live with underground sports philadelphia episode number 163 kyle bennett matt castarina live from underground studios as always show brought to you by main auto llc Ducharms pro foot if you haven't already get over there get all your back to school swag they've got shirts shoes all at discounted prices they've got bryce harper jerseys there go support your local businesses head over to Ducharms for your back to school needs security 21 Wainwright Bernhardt Funeral Home, Paul J. Gillespie Incorporated, Bob Novick Auto Mall, Mark Ronchetti, CPA, LLC, and the Dental Wellness Center of Vineland. What's going on, Matt? You know, just living the dream, as it always is. And as we told people uh, on Wednesday, let's not hold our breaths, but they won a series against a bad team. They beat the Pirates 12-3, cool. to <laughs> and then they have the off day. And this just seems evergreen. They go trying to go seven games over five hundred, and the Phillies lose again. It's just like win loss, win loss, win loss, win loss, win loss, win loss. Like, That's literally what it's been. Steam just isn't that great. I don't know. It's I, what more can you even say? That's it. That's all I have to say. <laughs> well, the frustrating part of it is that it was an Aaron Nola start. Like you could kind of accept this loss yesterday to the Mets. If it wasn't Aaron Nola, who pitched a phenomenal game, just didn't get the run support when you needed it, and then the Mets just blow up the, the terrible bullpen we have. I've heard that exact same summary of a game at least like 30 times this season. Just with different <laughs> team names. Because um, normally we beat the Mets. Normally, yes. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, that's what's weird about it, too, is the Mets have been a team this year even, too, that... One of the only teams that we really beat up on, mm-hmm. too. You talk about, like, run aggregation. But, um, yeah, and then on Nola Day, you definitely expect to win. But, <laughs> I like, this is a game that you struggle to take pretty much any positives out of. It's like, what like what, what do you even say? Like, what what's left? <laughs> like, I guess Reese played okay. That's, That's good. the one positive he's like, we're getting. He's, like, quarter turned it around this past week, which is nice. Um Everything else still sucks. <laughs> Our bullpen still sucks. Terrible. And it's going to for the rest of the year. And what's worse about it is it's only going to make missing out of the playoffs like hurt even more. Mm-hmm. It's like you're just gonna we're gonna miss the playoffs by like two or three games. And you could easily say just in the past like a month, <laughs> we've probably dropped four games just because of a bad bullpen. Let it's alone not over more. The, let alone over the course of a whole season. So yeah, that's gonna sting. Um, and this just goes back to Matt Klintak not doing anything at the trade deadline. Except for Corey Dickerson, who has been something this lineup needed. I like. I still believe that what we did at the trade deadline was the right move, because I don't think anyone was available for a reasonable price 
that you are actually gonna that's actually gonna improve this team because I think it's gonna t- it take it's gonna take more than just one signing to actually make a dent. You know, because guess what? Like your bullpen pitchers can't pitch every night either. It's just it's the same issue that you have with Nola, where even if you did pick someone up, whether they were a starter or a relief pitcher. That's just one person that mm-hmm. isn't like we need five guys right now, <laughs> like genuinely. Yeah. And just one of them, I don't think was going to make really any improvements at all. Like I'm still okay with the moves you made simply because they were low risk, and you know maybe at least one of these guys carries over to next year, and you know that's some added value there. But I think the biggest task, you know, waits for November and December when you can actually go out and sign free agents, and we all know who's going to be the top of the list for pretty much every pitching asset. <laughs> this off season and you know i i would say for him and for middleton just to get the wrists ready to be signing some checks and you know entering in some keyboard stuff because this is going to be uh this is going to be a make or break off season i think because we've seen that this team offensively can be good enough you know and i i don't really have much of a question mark for the actual position players again it's just the pitching is just so bad mm-hmm. just so bad and you know the only way to fix that right now is with money because we we know that we don't really develop pitchers that often. We don't really develop that many star players. Like like yeah, think of just this decade, which by the way, for half of it we tanked. Mm-hmm. In the early part of what, it was the end of the heyday. Yeah, and I mean obviously the like a, a decent chunk of that core was homegrown, but but like, even then we we went but, out and traded for pitching. Because like, we couldn't develop but it. But since then, even, like, what even great prospects have we had come up that you're like, wow. Like, Reese has had, like, a pretty, like, great, like, start to his career, but... Scott even, Kingry has turned it around this Scott year. Scott Kingry isn't, like, amazing. Like, Scott Kingry is a good baseball player, mm-hmm. but, like, would you say Scott Kingry is on the level of guys that, like, the Ashes are pulling out of their ass every week? Like, <laughs> I would say we haven't had enough of Scott Kingry yet. Fair, but my point is, is, like, for a team that tanked as long as they did, yeah. it's frustrating that, like... Definitely. Kingery and Hoskins at the moment are like all we have to show for it, and you know I'm high on it on Bohm, but like there's no there's no guarantee. Yeah, and right now in the minors, it's Bohm and Spencer Howard. Yeah, and then everything else is just an unknown. And then Adam Hazley has proved he can be a major league player this year in the limited amount of time that he's had because of you know injury and getting called up in in May. So but we want top level talent, right? Which we're not, we're just not producing, right? Right now, and I don't know where that went wrong either. So we'll see. I like. I think we have a, a strong enough core to be competitors. It's just we clearly need to spend an absolute boatload on pitching this this off season. And yeah, losing the Mets sucks. Um, it's just <laughs> it just sucks. Like there's no other word for it. Like this is just lame. Mm-hmm. This is such a meek way to end the season where it's like. Especially, I was. It was after. One of the Pirates games, I'm pretty sure, the Signing Harper documentary came on, and it, it just jogged my memory again as soon as it came on, and they asked John Middleton, you know, they were talking to him and said, do you have what it takes to go out at the trade deadline and make moves to make this club better, or, you know, in free agency to go and sign guys that are going to make a difference? And then, obviously, you know, a week later, they went and traded for JT Real Muto, but, like... Where was that mindset kind of at this deadline to prove to the guy that you courted here and show him that you meant business? But who are you trading for any? Like, that's the other issues. We don't, like, part of not developing anyone for pretty much half this decade is also means that you don't have, we don't have great trade assets. Well, we've talked about 
before when it happened, the Marcus Stroman trade, the Mets gave up essentially nothing. Yeah. Those guys were But we don't know that we don't know that the Mets wouldn't have asked like that. We wouldn't have gotten a, a bigger right. question from Toronto or that any other like asset we were looking at wasn't mm-hmm. you know it, it it again another comparison to the Flyers is like the this is a common thing that Flyers fans were really upset about. You really under like Hextall was you had like these you know pretty pretty good looking prospects, um, but like there's just so many of them that eventually like you're not really gonna have all these guys called up and. You know, you want to kind of turn some of that into more tangible, like, mm-hmm. NHL talent. And, you know, that never really materialized. And people always kind of hate on Hextall for that. And it's like, I agree, but also we don't know that, like, Hextall wasn't having conversations or right. wasn't trying to get these guys here. So, but, like, th- the thing is, is, like, I don't, I don't think we really have, like, we don't have a deep, like, talent pool to be mm-hmm. pulling for. Like, we have to be conservative. With Our food. talent pool is literally in single A. So it's like... And well have, down the line. You have to but, be really conservative considering all the things that we've given up in the past mm-hmm. two years to for in you, you can't like we don't have it's not an infinite well right now. Right. It's it's pretty limited. So if you are gonna make a trade for somebody, you have to be I think dead on certain that that person is A resigning with you because like you don't want you, like a bum gardener. Like you, you can't like get any type of rental, especially mm-hmm. considering like just the record that the Phillies even had at that point. Um, but two, like they need to have a long-term fit, which again, he also doesn't fit, but like it, that, that's such a hard needle to thread on its own. And then they have to have the actual talent to come in and make a tangible difference, which I don't think, I don't think you could have gotten anyone at the trade deadline that would have turned this around. But truly, like, I, I don't even think if you traded for Mike Trout, this team would be <laughs> saved. I truly mean that. Like, I just think, well, I think the, the bats, I think it was that bad. <laughs> like the bats are fine. It's the fact that you're throwing. Are they? <laughs> I mean, are we sure? Sure, they're inconsistent, but they're far better than what we're throwing out on the mound every night. I think it's only because the mound is absolutely, like, you can't get worse than the pitching we have. <laughs> I think we have an above-average offense. I wouldn't say we have a great offense, yeah. though. Like, I wouldn't say, like, the the biggest problem this year has been that they're clutch. Like, that they're not clutch. And that Bryce is, if it wasn't for Bryce, I don't know what our runners in scoring position numbers mm-hmm. would look like. They would probably be historically low. And... You know, you look at just, like, the inconsistencies that every other hitter has had on this team, and part of that might have been coaching and, and management, all that. But, like, you know, we're talking about Reese just turning around for, like, a few days, and he's supposed to be, like, our third best player. Yeah. Maybe even our second. You know, like... Ah. Well, this also goes <laughs> Your back to... second or third best player can't suck for three months out of a season. You just can't. You, you That can't happen. Mm-hmm. And you can't... And we've talked about this at nausea, like... The McCutcheon injury sucked, and, like, that threw a ton of things off, which it shouldn't have, but it did. You can't, you know, make up for O'Double being an absolute dumbass. And then Michael Franco, we kind of just expected him to be what he was all of April, and then he fell off, and now he's in the minor leagues, when they could have just given, you know, $12 million to Mike Moustakis, who this season has 31 home runs. Imagine that, playing third base for you, and in the middle of your lineup, while Reese Hoskins is struggling... That makes up for it. Would, would be nice. I, you know, listen, I'm willing to, like, just kind of put the season past this because, to me, the season's over. Like, we may make a wild card push, but, it, like, the season is going away. Like, uh, let's let's not get ahead of ourselves. Um, I'm willing to put the season behind us with the idea that this has always been a bit of a more long-term project, and we took a pretty sharp turn into competing this year. And I think there's always going to be growing pains associated with that. I think there's always going to be mistakes made. So, you know what? 
move forward. And we can even keep the whole gang together next year. Run it back. <laughs> Fine. Whatever. I'm cool with it. But you're also going to need to make genuine additions mm-hmm. to this team, specifically in pitching. Like, we're going to – I'm really not kidding when I say we're going to have to sign, like, five pitchers. This, yeah, this between the rotation and bullpen. And, and it's not like even – what's what's even worse is that a lot of the injuries to our relief – are, they're going to be out for all of next year too. Yep. So, so it's not even like you can look forward and to like Robertson being back. You know, like Dominguez, like you who don't even know yet. giant question mark. Like he's, I'm honestly counting him out for next year. Mm-hmm. Like in my mind, he's not. Like he may start the season, maybe start the season out, but then you know he re, he reaggravates injury, needs surgery, which is why I didn't like him not getting surgery in the first mm-hmm. place. Because to me, this season, even in like you know July, was a bit of a wash. Like. You know what? Like, if it's someone that you think down the line is you know, more likely than not going to require a surgery to fix their injury, just, just get, get the, it done. Just get the surgery. Like now, it now what? Yeah, it's another year and a half before we see him again. Likely, you know, like yeah. again, he could make Worst a miraculous scenario. recovery, but I don't think that's the most likely situation yeah. here. So, Tommy yeah. Hunter is going to be gone. So it's At not even Lushek like you can play the game gone. of like, okay, we round out the starting pitching game with like three starters, get a relief guy, and you know, some of these guys will work their way back from injury. It's like, no, like yeah. everyone you signed is hurt. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> and all the starters that you wanted to be good this year absolutely are terrible. Mm-hmm. And it was just, I, I don't even know how you salvage half of them. Yeah. Like, I, I, what do you even do with Pavetta, Eflin, and Velasquez? Truly. Like, I know, I, think- I know we want them to be successful, and I know we've seen like, times the season where it's like oh they're turning a corner vince velasquez is actually our best pitcher in the last three weeks eh, no they suck we've seen it long enough like i don't know why like we're having stockholm syndrome with bad players and it's annoying because people are still treating this team like it's 2015 and we're still tanking and it's like oh well, you know velasquez could have value in the future. no like we, we don't have time anymore to like play the the value game and all oh, well, i think the like, biggest thing with velasquez where he does have value is Potentially one trading him, <laughs> getting him off your team. Yes, but he also has minor league options, so like you can flex your roster around with him. And I think he's better suited in the bullpen. So if you can start, I think him on off, a talent level though, people are. I understand what you're saying from like a organizational standpoint and from a management standpoint, where this person still has organizational value because of contract deals and things like that. I'm talking on a talent level. People are convincing themselves that guys like Velasquez and Eflin and Pavetta can be a part of a World Series roster. They just, you can't. Out of those Look at the turnover from 2007 Phillies starting pitching to like 2009. It's completely different. It's literally only Cole Hamels. And and Joe Blanton came Mm -hmm. in at the end. That's it. Like, because those guys weren't, Jamie Moyer wasn't cutting it anymore. (laughs) I'm sorry. And like you want these guys to be good, I think we all do. I don't, I don't like saying that they suck because they're human beings mm-hmm. and I want them to be great because they're on my team, especially. But they're just not good, and we know that they're not good. Yeah. Why are we, st- why are we pretending that these guys are good because they're not? Well, the, the biggest thing is Eflin. We should have traded him for Machado last year and just gotten him out of here. Pavetta is all mental. The dude does not have the mental strength, and we have a manager who. You wouldn't say exactly that his managerial strength is tapping in to the mental ability yeah. and focus of players. In fact, most players are saying he sucks at that. I think of the three guys you brought up, and I was a big Pavetta proponent coming in. I would rather have Vince Velasquez on this roster to start next year in some capacity than the other two. I like. I think it's just it's just a situation where 
almost everything that could have gone wrong this season went did. wrong. And again, like that's why I'm not like really advocating for anyone to you know, lose their job, which I wouldn't normally do anyway, because I think there's a lot of extenuating circumstances this year. But I also think that there was negligent roster building mm-hmm. in, in the offseason. You know, to come in with, with the assets that we did in the season, pitching-wise, was just not not wise. And it was a huge gamble that did not pay off. And now you've you've wasted a year, right? And you know what? Like, again, it's a project. You know, it's very rare to turn a rebuild around in, you know, two years. Because last year was sort of the, the first phase of, like, stepping out from being, like, a, a basement dweller. But... You know, like, it feels like there is, like, some things that were out of their control, but it also feels like I feel like a seasoned front office mm-hmm. that was more focused and just, just better would not have made some of the mistakes we yeah. did this year. And the problem is, is you're counting on that same front office now four months down the line to make, to learn from those mistakes and actually, like, complete this roster build. And, like, I th- I think we can because it seems honestly like a no brainer on what we need. I, it's not like you really you don't really need to look for like diamonds in the rough here. Like yeah. you know, just sign the best pitching talent on the market. That's it. <laughs> just- Which we got an update on Garrett Cole uh, from Buster Olney on Baseball Tonight this week. Allegedly, Garrett Cole is going to be asking for six years, two hundred twenty five million dollars this off season. Give it to him. Give him the big giant check. Just give it to him. Sign. Have the fanatic like <laughs> jump out of a plane and if the he's check still be here. and the check just be. Yeah, we're gonna lose the fanatic after the season too. Just everything has gone wrong. Who would have predicted that we were gonna lose like one of the most iconic like, especially Philly mascots, but I think all number sports. one mascot in all sports potentially on the way out. Yeah, I don't think it'll happen, but uh, who knows? Who knows? <laughs> but yeah, give Garrett Cole all the money he wants. And just bring him here, bring Cole Hamels back, because we've seen it. Since he came back to the National League, he's reverted back to being a very good quality starting pitcher. Just had his fifth baby, came off paternity leave yesterday. Bring him back, he still has his home in Philadelphia, like, he's still very active in the community. He openly talked about it when the Phillies played the Cubs in May, that he would love to come back here and finish his career. Those should be starting pitching number one and number two options, day one of free agency. Yeah, I, I hands think, down. But I, I think even just focusing on the rest of the season now is just like it's exhausting. It's, tough. <laughs> it's just just even thinking about like watch it. Like I turned the Phillies game on for like the first hour last night, and I I fell asleep pretty early because I'm like a baby. But um, it's just like I don't really I I don't care. Like not like I don't care at all. But I just don't care the same way that I did mm-hmm. in May, and it's just just tough. It's like it's hard to watch bad baseball mm-hmm. when okay so like from like 2013 to like 2016 it was hard to watch the Phillies but you knew going into watching the it Phillies was going to be it hard. was gonna suck and if you watched the Phillies then you like you had all the understanding of the world that listen when it was I tune the in Phillies tonight, version of the process exactly like I'm not watching the best talent out there I'm watching maybe some like young guys will be future stars mm-hmm. or just whatever I just really love baseball I just always watch the Phillies no matter what Tuning in now with every all the money that we've spent, with all the additions that we've made, you no longer have the expectation to be watching like 2014 Phillies, mm-hmm. but it still feels like that's what we're watching because it's just soul crushing. And I think it's truly the hope that is killing us because again, and I think it's going back to the point I made about everyone trying to convince themselves that these kind of fringe guys can stick around and like make this leap. Like 
you just you're just setting yourself up for like just massive disappointment. So why when everyone was talking about that Cubs series, I was like, hold on, <laughs> listen. That was great, but we know what this team yeah. is. Like we know at this point. Like I was I was over getting my hopes up like 80 series ago <laughs> because we've seen it. We've seen them beat we've seen them sweep great teams this year and then just absolutely just blow it against the Padres. And they almost blew it against the Pirates. Mm-hmm. Like that wasn't an amazing series. And now like big divisional game. Yeah, big divisional series. With a team that is right there with you in the wild card. Your your best pitcher who has really turned it around from like a slow start this season, like has and now have lost two it. of his starts back to back to the Marlins and the Mets. How, like, how do you want me to engage with that and be like, oh no, well this is this is great. <laughs> this is yes. just and and it was great was we had that great JT Realmuto clip yes. yesterday. And that to me, first of all, JT has had great face clips all year. There's all one year. of my favorite memes is him. Uh, like just like rolling his like he's always just like very sassy. He's yes. such a Chad, and winking that, when he threw the batter out the other night. That is the the what is it like twenty second clip of this entire yes. Philly season. It's just like oh, Jared Christ. Hughes running out of the bullpen like a madman, and then JT just JT's like I'm gonna have to frame for this freaking idiot. <laughs> Jesus, and then he gives up a home run to kind of just put the the icing on top of the cake. JT but... probably just wishes that he could just. He's like, can you even just get to the part where they put him on base and just let me throw him out? I think we could. that would actually be a better strategy. It's just have people ground, get him to first. I think there's a higher percentage that JT just throws people out trying to steal second than it is if we get to, like, the seventh inning and you're calling in whoever, whatever fan won the, the raffle that night that gets to come out and be our relief pitcher for an inning. I think you have a better chance if we just let people get on first and dare them to steal. Just give them, just give them, give them 10 yards. Just give it to them. Because I trust, I trust JT with my life. Yeah. Speaking of JT, came out this week as well, according to Jeff Passan from ESPN, uh, that a long-term deal could go down this offseason for JT. It better. (laughs) Uh, And Jeff Passan goes on to say, with around $110 million committed to payroll next season, no massive arbitration raises, and some likely non-tenders, the Phillies have every reason to pursue a long-term deal with Real Muto. He's 28, he's a leader, he is a well-above-average hitter, and, a, and an even better defensive catcher. He deserves a nine-figure extension. He's, I think, almost certainly now, if not the best, one of like the top like two or three catchers in baseball. I, I, I think he's from arguably a, the best. Yeah, I, I think defensively, I don't think yeah. you can really argue anyone else. It's just there are, there are definitely catchers that produce more offensively, mm-hmm. and... He's been, I, and I've even said, I, I think I've been critical of him at times uh, this season with his with his like hitting performances, and he's been a little inconsistent. But I don't, I also don't think that I think it's a little unfair on JT because I don't, I don't think he should be your third, fourth best option. Yeah, he he's like a guy that should be like your sixth, seventh, realistically, like on a really good team. And you know, if if JT was actually our sixth best like offensive option. This would be a great team. Yeah, but what he gives you defensively is like unparalleled. Leaps and bounds. Like, like you, you really, really can't find mm-hmm. anyone better. And that's not even an over exaggeration. Yeah. Like he's he's fantastic. Sign him up for like the next thirty years. We should give him the exact same deal we gave Bryce. I <laughs> firmly believe that. I love it. JT is the only bright spot out of this season for me. Besides like Harper and everything, mm-hmm. like 
I love him. <laughs> I think I'm gonna get a real Muto like jersey this because like he deserves it. He deserves everything, all the money. Give it to him. Give him stock in Jersey Jerry's. Give him stock in Tony Luke's. <laughs> like back up the crab fries truck. Whatever he wants. The uh, the last big long term extension for a catcher uh, happened four or five years ago with Russell Martin. He got four years, eighty million. I mean, JT is way better than Russell Martin was at that point, and potentially with the NL getting a DH in the near future, if JT, you know, gets older, can't catch anymore, at least you still have his bat, and you can throw him at the designated hitter spot. I'd give him four or five years, 100 to 110, 15 million. Yeah. Call it a day. I, you could throw any number at me, and I would say yes for, for JT. And I, I think, you know, outside of pitching as well, which should be really high up on the priority list, which I think... Everyone has talked about is like we need to address the backup mm-hmm. catcher because it's only it's it's kind of similar to like the backup center argument we always have yeah. about Embiid where it's like okay like Embiid's great but we need someone because Embiid's gonna have to miss games yeah JT's gonna have to JT miss games JT is on pace to play 150 games this year which would be the most since Buster Posey did it a f- like a few years ago when the Giants were in their prime yeah so. Let's not. <laughs> you can't like. Let's let's not test the limits of JT's like strength here and durability because I think he can. Of course he can. He but can, you're gonna but limit not. what he does in the future for you because you're throwing him out there for so you don't, almost you every game of the you season. Don't, you don't believe in Andrew Knapp is what you're. Oh saying. my god. I, so I was remember on, that like that two weeks though where he was like our best player. I was on Twitter. Andrew Knapp at a point this season. This is how bad the Phillies have been this year. Yeah, there was a legitimate argument for about two or three weeks that Andrew Knapp was actually our best player. <laughs> Ugh. Just to let you know how bad things got because I don't think we talk about enough how bad things got at sometimes this season. I was on Twitter yesterday and I found this old Phillies account that I used to follow called Fielder's Choice. They haven't done anything since like 2016, but. I was scrolling through just their old tweets, just, you know, looking down memory lane, and there was an article saying to not sleep on this Phillies prospect when Andrew Knapp was in double A. You could actually just go into a coma and yeah. <laughs> you would not have missed anything. <laughs> Terrible. Um, but, yeah, Phillies play the Mets today, 4.05, and then they're on Sunday Night Baseball, which I'm mad that they flipped the pitchers because it would have been absolutely hilarious to see Jason Vargas on Sunday Night Baseball against his former team. But Jason Vargas pitches today, and then good old Zach Eflin pitches on Sunday Night Baseball. What a showcase. I love watching the Phillies get embarrassed on national TV. It's great. Amazing. Um, you know, we don't get to do that very often, though. You know, we you don't. Get to, you can watch your team get just you'll lose like 13-6 on uh, Sunday Night Baseball Unreal. very often. Uh Eagles roster cuts are happening today, though, Matt. Today is the deadline to get the roster down to 53, and the Eagles uh, got a head start yesterday. They placed Richard Rodgers on injured reserve. That seems to be a long-term injury, and they waived uh, injured defensive tackle as he too, and then they released the following players, Kasim Edibali, Eli Harold, Hayes Pollard, Orlando Skandrick, but uh, according to Ian Rappaport, Skandrick's a player that could be back uh, by week two depending on who they place on injured reserve as well, which a lot of us are thinking it's going to be Craven LeBlanc. Uh, and then tight end Will Ty was also released. And then the following players were waived. Rutgers, former Rutgers wide receiver Carlton Agadosi, Trey Elston, Anthony Fabiano, DeAndre Hall, uh, Ajene Harris, Josh Hawkins, Cody Kessler, we barely knew you, uh, Riley Mayfield, Jeremiah McKinnon, Mark and Michelle, my guy, that one hurt, Donnell Pumphrey, gone, 
Keegan Render, Sojourn Shelton, Alex Singleton, another one that kind of hurt because he played really well this preseason, uh, DeAndre Tompkins, Jason Thompson, Kevin Wilkins, and Chris Worley. And then today, before we went live, uh, the Eagles have waived Josh Adams. Yeah, nothing uh, nothing earth-shattering in there. You yeah, wouldn't say. I think the only, like, unfortunate one is Alex Singleton at the linebacker position because he did play so well. Um, but, I mean, he could go back up to the CFL and earn CFL money, which I think is better than practice squad money, and just be an absolute superstar up there. Yeah, it's an interesting debate between going to Canada or, like, staying, like, around the NFL and just practice squatting. I, I would actually say I think practice squad might be better just because I think you have a better chance of, like, breaking through. Like, because we know in the NFL injuries are, are incredibly common. So I feel like you maybe you don't get paid as well, but you're also not getting paid poorly even if you're on the – you're still making pretty decent money. Um I think you have a probably a better chance of like breaking through, and you never know where that might might lead. Like the NFL is littered with guys that like were like non-drafted or like you know eighth round picks like making through and you know becoming starters. So yeah, I've, I think I would I think I would choose sticking in the NFL. Yeah. I also Canada sounds great though. Like they're worst places to have to choose <laughs> to go to. Uh, and then according to Mike K, just now they've also waived uh, Sua Opita, but he looks like he could be a practice squad guy if uh, he makes it through waivers. But the bigger news that happened uh, this morning is that Devion Clowney has been traded to one of his preferred destinations. Good for him. Not the Eagles, though. <laughs> Not good uh, for him anymore. He's going to the Seattle Seahawks. Um, just a bad job by the Texans, though. So the Seahawks send a third-round pick. And two linebackers that are just not good, one being a former first-round bust in Barcavius Mingo. Um, This is why every team needs a GM. The Texans operating without a GM has gotten them absolutely fleeced twice now because they've essentially given up a third-round pick for Duke Johnson, and now they've traded Jadeveon Clowney for scrap heaps, and Seattle will get a third-round comp pick if Clowney walks in the offseason. I, I just don't understand it. It seems like organizational malfeasance to operate <laughs> the way that the Texans are. Uh, like, truly. Um, what was worse? When the Sixers had Brett Brown running the show and everybody freaking out because he was the GM and we didn't re- just miss the ball on free agents? Or this? I don't want to lay the blame too much at Brett's feet yeah. because I think... It was a by committee, which I don't think mm-hmm. it's really all that different now, for being honest. Um, I think the Texans is worse just because to lose a guy of like Jadavid. We didn't lose anyone that summer. We just didn't make maybe the progress that we right. would have wanted, which I don't even know if we had a permanent GM would have been different. I think you could make the case so if you had a, a permanent stable GM with the Texans, this would have been mm-hmm. different. So. So the Eagles miss out on Clowney. Field Yates tweets, The 2014 NFL draft started like this. Top five picks. Texans, Devion Clowney. Rams, Greg Robinson. Jaguars, Blake Bortles. Bills, Sammy Watkins. Raiders, Khalil Mack. Five years later, they're all with new teams. That is interesting. I I feel like, wow. Yeah, never really, uh, never really thought about it that way. I, I think it's interesting for the NFC now, though, because... I think we already talked about how the only thing going against the Eagles being Super Bowl like favorites, like overwhelmingly, is that the 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 upper crust of the NFC is still pretty difficult, right? You know, like you still have the Saints, 
the Rams, the Seahawks. Like the, the, these are all the teams you're gonna have to be contending with. The Vikings, I think, to a lesser extent. Um, you're talking about one of those teams now making a pretty significant upgrade on their defensive line, and you would have liked Jadavion to instead of made his way to Philly. But you know, thankfully, like Seattle's a team theoretically you might only have to worry about in like the NFC Championship game mm-hmm. or something. So you know, it may not affect your season too much, but it, it isn't great seeing a. Uh, a team that you're likely to be contending with, you know, in January, and make a, a pretty big uh, step up here. Yeah, and the Eagles will see Jadeveon Clowney this year as they play the Seahawks in the regular season, so that'll be fun. Um, some breaking news involving the NFC as well via Adam Schefter. Uh, talks between the Cowboys and Ezekiel Elliott are intensifying with both sides aiming to wrap up a new deal this weekend, league sources tell ESPN. Hey. Uh, why don't you just take your time? You know, it's Labor Day weekend. Why, why, why doesn't everybody just come back, like, next week? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Figure it out. Maybe the week after, even. You know? You don't February, maybe. I don't think you want to rush into a decision like this. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, that has to be priority number, like, one <laughs> star, 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 exclamation yeah. point, exclamation for, for Dallas. like... Like you, you, it's shocking. I don't think there's a higher priority signing, and pretty much all of sports right now than getting Ezekiel Elliott back on the Cowboys. Because yeah. I think without him, they're like a six and eleven team, like six and ten team. I, I don't, I don't. They they have an extra loss actually without Ezekiel Elliott. I think. Um. So the Eagles will roll into the regular season defensive end wise with Vinnie Curry, Josh Sweat, Sharif Miller, Deshaun Hall, Brandon Graham, and Derek Barnett. Not a bad, not a bad front to be loading up with, and I think that might have played into the decision to not go for Jadavian as well as, you know. I, I just looking at what Seattle gave up to get him, it, it wasn't a very high price, and you'd imagine for the Eagles it would have been similar, and you know we we also have some excess running backs we probably could have dealt as well, which might have been a little more attractive to Houston, but who, who knows. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think the Eagles were just happy with what they had and kind of looking long-term at, you know, what paying Jadavian might look like, you know, maybe not necessarily just wanting him to walk. And, you know, I think I say it a lot, how he has earned everyone's trust. So we didn't go for him. I'm sure there was a, a, a pretty good reason for it. Yeah, and uh, one other former Eagle in the news, uh, the Buffalo Bills this morning have released – LaShawn McCoy. It like quite a quite a surprising move. Yeah. But what's interesting is the Bills uh like running back situation is was really loaded, like not in a great way, of course, but they had like four guys that you could all see sort of being the starter, in quotes. Um and they have that rookie that they drafted who's singletary who's supposed mm-hmm. to be like people are pretty high on as well. So yeah, I guess it you know it was a little bit strange. Like I think everyone was kind of wondering how that Bills backfield was going to work, and now it's a little more clear. And Singletary and Frank Gore. Yeah, they have so- someone else too. Don't they have uh... T.J. Yeldon? Yeah, T.J. Yeldon as well. Like again, like none of them are amazing, and mm-hmm. Singletary could be like a good breakout star. Yeah. But you know, I-, I think the Bills also were in a situation where they know they're not winning yeah. you know, competitively this year. So save some money. Save some money, and it might even have been a situation too where it's like you know. Maybe he finds himself in a better uh I wouldn't be situation. shocked if LaShawn goes down to Houston. Because yeah. Lamar Miller is out. Duke Johnson is not a number one running back. Granted, there's no offensive line there to run behind, but wouldn't be that shocked would, if he goes to Houston. That would be an interesting interesting experiment there. But 
Yeah, I mean, it's a. Uh, it was a little surprising though, just because mm-hmm. he's a big name and he's not someone either that's really fallen off dramatically. And they were like, they were very high production. on him, talking about him, saying that you know he was going to be there. He looked good in the preseason, and now he's uh, on the street. But uh, according to U Stadium, just now about a half hour ago, so uh, the Eagles are shopping offensive lineman Stefan Wisniewski. They've talked to two teams in the past 24 hours per source. Interesting. Very interesting, which a lot of people kind of expected Wisniewski to either be traded or cut because he's looked terrible this preseason, and we heard last year Jason Peters is not too fond of him either. Um, so, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if Stefan Wisniewski is one of the guys that is on the way out by the time uh, the final rosters are due at 4 p.m., I believe, today. So we'll keep an eye on that as well. But uh, – Brought up some Sixer stuff. They hit the throwback Thursday button this week, uh, bringing in Joe Johnson and Spencer Hawes. That is a name. For workouts. Seven Star Wars, Star Wars text. <laughs> That's a name I haven't heard in some time. Uh, very interesting. Granted, they have no open roster spots, so a lot of people speculating that this was kind of just like agents getting a, a due diligence and... and seeing that these guys are working out for teams that are going to be competing. Um I mean, Joe Johnson was more intriguing, I think, than Spencer Hawes. Joe Johnson would give you some scoring off the bench, which, you know, I, I think there's still room for that mm-hmm. on this team. But, you know, defensively, just to, like, at his age, like, what we need are people that could, you know, potentially. If we're adding anyone, it needs to be someone that could play in the playoffs. Like, I think we're good enough for the regular season to make it through with, you know, a, you know, a top two seed record. Um, I'm not sure if we have, like, what it takes to beat Milwaukee to number one, which could be crucial, you know, if, if you get to a, a Eastern Conference Finals mm-hmm. against them. But, yeah, I, I think, um, you know, if you're going to be making any any decisions roster-wise, it needs to be guys that you truly believe might be able to help you in, you know, the final four minutes of a, of a Conference Finals. And I just don't think Joe Johnson's at that point in his career anymore. And, yeah, that's <laughs> I can't say much more than that. I think, too, you know, if we are going to make any, any changes, any additions specifically – we know that in the NBA, there's always you know the, the waiver period. There's always at least you know four or five guys that all competitive teams you know look at and, and want. Um, last year, you know we we made some some big additions to the roster through that. So mm-hmm. I, I think that's uh, where I'll be looking you know in the future. And I I don't see Spencer Halls or Joe Johnson on the story, especially yeah. Spencer Halls. I I don't there's see there's no room. I don't see that yeah. at all. I mean, he was playing. I like Spencer Halls as a Sixer though. Like yeah. he was. He was a fun sixer. I really enjoyed him, but that was also eight years ago. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> he was in the G League last year with the Lakers, and it's probably where he's going to end up again. Um, but I mean, well, at this rate, like he might start for the Lakers because yeah. they're just <laughs> they're just struggling. <laughs> now, something I thought of too: Would you rather have Joe Johnson or Furkan on this roster? Because kind of you know Furkan's, you know alleged skill set is also what Joe Johnson would do for you at his age. I guess it's just the the veteran versus like some potential mm-hmm. young guy argument. Um I would almost go Joe Johnson just because I think like what he might give you in a in a leadership position or as like a mentor role could mm-hmm. be helpful, but I <laughs> it's not a choice I would love to like make. Like I can't yeah. wait to really pour over Joe Johnson and Furkan Korkmaz. Like, oh, like they're both like they would be like thirteenth, fourteenth options yeah. for us. Like, so 
I don't know. I maybe Joe Johnson just because he gives you that veteran edge, but mm-hmm. Furkan at least has like some. He's at least his youth on his side, yeah. and you know his contract situation is like is pretty good for the Sixers. So, nah. <laughs> I don't. I don't like even thinking about either of those players. Being honest. August NBA talk. Uh, we do have some Flyers things to talk about because there's some possible. Things uh, going on with us too. Gr- the gritty 5K is coming to. I, uh, I'm going to be running the gritty 5K. We will be there. Um, so if anybody wants to, you know, sponsor our podcast team, we will uh, gladly accept it. But the gritty 5K, October 13th, and uh, you will see a bunch of us there because I believe we have a, a pretty big squad going to be rolling up to the gritty 5K. Yeah, I am. Uh... I'm pretty excited because I was actually looking for a 5K to run in October. So I'm doing one in September, mm-hmm. one in October. It's like, damn, like, I need, like, and you need, like, a good, like, Halloween one because yeah. fall is also my favorite season. I love Halloween. I love, like, the weather. I love the food, all of it. So I am pumped. I'm, this is, like, I don't know how this wasn't an idea last year. I bet they already had this idea, but Gritty was, like, pretty new. So yeah. the world wasn't ready for it yet. We are ready now for a Gritty 5K. Um, I'm excited. I'm excited to see what the shirts look like as well because I feel like they're going to be very, very cool. I think you also get a medal, yeah, as well. It's going to be Gritty's eyes. Very excited <laughs> to see the medal as well. I'm excited to see what the uh, the aid stations are going to look like because they have like they said themed water stations. Yes. So I don't know and what that rest means. Stations. No, I I don't know what that means exactly. Um, and I'm also excited to see. I'm. It seems like Gritty's going to run the five k. Yes. Which is also give whoever is the man behind or the woman behind Gritty a gigantic raise because like running a little over three miles in that costume has to be honestly torture. <laughs> so hats off to them for uh, for whoever is going to be dealing with that if they do actually run the five, which yeah. I think seems like they're going to. So the the press release states that the five k is going to be run. Uh, from the Wells Fargo Center, you go through the Navy Yard and then finish outside of Xfinity Live. And then uh, Gritty himself will be leading the charge at the starting line. When asked about his participation, the mascot noted, I will obviously win. I'll do whatever it takes. I'll spin signs around so people run the wrong way. You don't follow the rules when it's your event. You just soak in the glory when crossing those, crossing through those flaming gates of victory. Um hilarious so i hope there is actually flaming gates of victory I, I think that was a intense. legitimate like inclusion like there is going to actually be <laughs> flames i'm excited i like yeah. i'm very pumped for it so uh if you are going to be at the gritty 5k let us know tweet at us at underground phi we will be there with the team uh might have to link up with our our friends over at design tree to get some initial shirts made for us for our our well, there is also team. uh like a costume contest yeah. as well. Like if you show up, Dress I guess, up as wearing as or flyers related, mm-hmm. uh, you can win some. I think it is might be even like a cash prize. I think yeah. if you if you win like that contest, but um, yeah, it's that's gonna be a blast. Very excited. So uh, you can get that gritty design right behind Matt too on our design tree storefront at DSGN Tree. Use promo code uh, DSGN five for five dollars off at checkout. Those of you who ordered shirts during the big Friday 50 sale, uh, they will either be at your door today or early next week. They were a little backed up just from all of the orders that came through. Um, Talked to our our friends over there, and they said that they are coming, so don't worry. They'll be on their way either today or early next week. But 
Make sure you're following them on Twitter as well, at DSGNTree. And uh, we will keep you up to date on Twitter. Uh, former Eagle Jordan Matthews was just released by the 49ers. Jeez. Um, so we'll keep you up to date with all he the... He has not really found any... Outside of the Eagles, he has not found any success. Got Shame. injured in Buffalo. Always seemed like a pretty pretty nice dude. Yeah, got injured in Buffalo and then uh, couldn't stick with the Patriots. And then he mm-hmm. came back to the Eagles and gets cut by the 49ers today. So uh, we'll keep you up to date with all the Eagles roster cuts and all that good stuff going on today uh, on Twitter, at UndergroundPHI. And uh, it's going to be a lot of interesting moves that get made in the next 24 to 48 hours. But... We'll keep you updated there. Make sure you subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Leave those five-star ratings and reviews. Let us know uh, if you're going to the Gritty 5K in your review. And uh, just search Underground Sports Philadelphia, and you'll get all that good stuff. Our hot takes, bold predictions, fantasy football show with myself and Mikey went up today. My my Zeke take is not looking too good right now. Um, so make sure you check that out. And uh, That's what we us. call in the industry a plug. Yes. You can follow us on Spotify, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, we will be back live on Wednesday. Kind of a, a slow week this week. Uh, you know, Sean Rodriguez kind of deflated the Phillies a little bit. And then uh, they didn't win. So not much to talk about there. But we'll be back on Wednesday talking about getting ready for this Eagles season. We'll probably do uh, wins and losses potentially go through the schedule and see how we feel about the Eagles once the oh, roster not is the Meek Mill solidified. Okay. <laughs> well, Meek is opening up uh, yeah. the NFL. Good, like, good six months for Meek. He had the All-Star game as well, the NBA All-Star game he got to open up. And he's now off he's probation. Getting, yeah, his his court case is like settled now, which is good for him, and now he is opening, opening up the NFL season. The NFL Megan season. Trainer, right? Yeah. Weird, weird combo. Weird combo there, but, but whatever. Shout out to Meek. Uh, he'll be at the Bears and Packers game to kick off the 100th season of the NFL. So. It's a great opening night game as well. Yeah, very, uh, longest running game. rivalry in the NFL. Um, well, so. makes sense. Like, <laughs> like, where are you gonna go? You're you're stuck in Chicago, Green Bay. You can't go anywhere <laughs> from there. You go to Milwaukee. Like, that's any better. Terrible. Um, but we will catch you guys again on Wednesday. Go through, you know, the solidified Eagles roster, see if any other moves get made, and then uh, probably complain and bitch and moan about the Phillies. Uh, but until then, I'm Kyle. He's Matt. This has been Underground Sports Philadelphia, episode number 163, brought to you by Main Auto LLC, Douche Arms Pro Foot, Security 21, Wainwright Bernhardt Funeral Home, Paul J. Gillespie Incorporated, Bob Novick Auto Mall, Mark Ronchetti, CPA LLC, and the Dental Wellness Center of Vineland. So until Wednesday, we are signing off. Peace.